The story of Purim goes back more than 2,300 years ago. At the time of King Achashverosh, who made a very big party and became drunk. And at that party, he killed his wife, Vashti. They looked for a new wife. He found Esther, who was a Jewish woman, but did not reveal her true identity. And then later, Haman, who wanted to destroy the Jewish people in one day, that was the 13th of Adar, Esther then revealed her true identity to the king, and the Jewish people were saved. On the 13th of Adar, all the Jewish people were able to fight against their enemy and defend themselves, and they were victorious. The 14th of Adar, the following day, became a holiday of Purim for all generations to come. On this day, we do many mitzvahs. We read the Megillah twice, and we give two ready-to-eat foods to our neighbor. We also give charity to two poor people. We feast royally. We drink wine. And on this day, we also are not allowed to fast. Now, Purim every year falls out on the 14th day of Adar. What is the significance of number 14? Now, we have two major holidays that take place on the 15th of the month. One is Passover, and the other is Sukkot. Passover takes place on the 15th day of the month of Nisan. And Sukkot takes place the 15th day of the the month of Tishrei. Now 15 on the Jewish calendar is a very special day. For every month... the 15th of the month, the moon has waxed to its complete glory. The moon is full. And the Jewish people are compared to the moon. Because every day the moon gets larger and larger. So too, every day we are supposed to increase in our good deeds and in our Torah study. And not to be complacent with what we did yesterday. Furthermore, at the end of each month, the moon disappears. But yet, the following night, it reappears. And this is a message and teaching for us in exile. That even though, God forbid, it seems that in one country the Jews will be annihilated, the next day, the Jews are reborn somewhere else. They will live on for all eternity. They will never, ever be destroyed. So therefore, the moon is a very special icon for the Jewish people. And our months and holidays follow the lunar calendar in contrast to the solar calendar. 
So we understand that the number 15 on the Jewish calendar, on the 15th day of every lunar month, is a very special day. Also, the number 15 alludes to the name of God, the name of Ka, which is the Yud and the He of God's name. So 15 is a very special number. What is the significance of 14? Why is Purim specifically on the 14th day of the month of Ador, and not the 15th? Even though some Jews celebrate the 15th, which is Shushan Purim, but it is a minor holiday compared to the major holiday of the 14th of Adar, which is celebrated throughout the whole world. The, the number 14, Yudalid, spells out the word Yad. Yad is a hand. In the Torah, we find that the Torah refers to the hand of God at least on two occasions. The first time God says, Yad Chazoka, the strong hand, and the second time is Yad Gedoyla, which is the big or large hand. When Moses went to Pharaoh and he told them, and he told Pharaoh, let my people go, Pharaoh said, why? And Moses said, God of the Jewish people has requested and demanded that you let his children go. And Pharaoh said, I don't know of this God. So, in Egypt, Moses brings plagues upon the Egyptians. And the Egyptians say, this is the finger of God. And then, we are told, finally, with a very powerful hand, God takes us out of Egypt. When do we find the terminology of Yad Gedoyla, God's large hand? This we find after the splitting of the Red Sea. And there it says, The Jews then saw God's big hand after the splitting of the Red Sea. So the question is, what is the difference between God's strong hand, Yad, which is 14, or Yad Hagadoyla, God's big hand, which is also 14. And furthermore, how does this apply to us today? And how does it pertain to the holiday of Purim? God is generally called by two names. The name of Elohim and the name of Havaye. Elohim is the gematria of 86, which is Hateva, nature. 
the God of nature. And so, in the beginning of Genesis, when we talk about creation, it says, Bereshis Bara Elikim. Elokim created the world. It is God how He manifests Himself in nature. And then, at other times, we find Vayomer Hashem, and God spoke. Or Vayay Yisrael, or the Jewish people saw the hand of God. So Havaya, the Tetragrammaton, represents a level of God that is beyond nature. And that is, if you look at the four letters of the Tetragrammaton, which we call in Kabbalah Havaya, it has the three words of Hoya, which is past, Hove, which is present, and Yia, which is future. In nature, you have past first, present afterwards, then you have the future. The name of Havaya is Hashem Echad, God is one, that you have past, present, and future all in one. So now, when the Jews saw God in Egypt, and when Pharaoh saw God in Egypt, they saw the hand that was mighty. And that is, they saw God as Elohim. Elohim means strength. They saw the strength of God. But even though it's the hand of God, it's Elohim, this level of godliness that is manifest in nature is subject to change in time. However, the name of Havaya, which is the name that was revealed at the splitting of the Red Sea, this is a name of God that withstands the changes of time. It is beyond time and space. So how does one access this higher hand? How does one access the Yad HaGadoyla, God's large hand? And the answer is very simple. Go back to the story of Kriyas Yamsov. Go back to the story of the splitting of the Red Sea. What happened there? What happened there was that the Egyptian army was behind the Jewish people. The sea was in front of them. And the Jews say to Moses, what do we do now? Moses lifts up his hands to God, prays. What does God tell Moshe? Talk to the Jewish people and let them go. So you would think everybody would start going. Yet nobody moves. Why? There's a sea in front of them. Where should we go? All of a sudden, from the tribe of Judah, jumps into the sea. And he goes further into the sea. And the water is up to his neck and up to his mouth and up to his nostrils. And he can't breathe anymore. But he's still walking. Because God says, walk. He walks. And boom, the sea splits. Nachshim ben Aminadov has always been the symbol of self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice means you do something because God commanded you to do something. Even though you don't understand it, even though it's illogical or super-rational, but if God commanded me to do something, I'd do it. 
And therefore, this answers another interesting question. Moses spoke to God. He asked God what to do, and yet he doesn't do anything. God says, Moses, start walking, and Moses is still standing in one place. We need Nachshem ben Aminadav from the fourth tribe of Israel, not from Reuven, not from Shimon, not from Levi, but from the fourth tribe, from the tribe of Judah, to go jump into the sea. Moshe Rabbeinu represents the epitome of Chachma of intellect. Intellect demands logic. Intellect demands rationalization. So much so that we are told on the verse that Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble person on the face of the earth. What made him so humble? What made him humble? Says the Medrish, he was humbled by the last generation before the coming of Mashiach. He was humbled by their self-sacrifice. We today are a generation that do not see, we do not hear godliness. We just know about it. We believe in it. It's all about Haida'ah. It's about Yehuda. It's about our belief in God. And yet, with that belief, notwithstanding anti-Semitism and assimilation and the Holocaust and all the crazy things that happened to us throughout the history of the Jewish people, we are stronger than ever before and getting better at it. More Jews are becoming committed. More Jews are praying. More Jews are doing mitzvahs. More women are going to mikvah. Every day, the numbers are increasing. Moshe Rabbeinu sees this generation. He becomes humble. The self-sacrifice, the Mesiras Nefesh of that generation blew him away. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu does not jump into the sea. Ruvain, the tribe of Ruvain doesn't jump into the sea. The word Ruvain means to see. They have to see it to believe it. Shimai means to hear. Shema Yisrael. At least they have to hear about it to make sense. Levi represents the idea of goodness. Toivli. Has to be good for me. I have to sense the goodness. Yehuda, the fourth of the tribe, is Hoda'ah. Is praise. Acknowledgement. I admit. I don't understand it, but I admit to it. I understand that it's a level beyond my comprehension. I admit that there's something there, but I cannot grasp it. I cannot explain it. That is Yehuda. So specifically, the Torah tells us who it was. It was Nachshim ben Aminadav of the tribe of Judah. He's the one who jumps into the sea. So if you want to access this level of God, if you want to feel close to the Tetragrammaton, the level of God that is Yad Hagdeila, which is the big and great hand of God, then you have to create a vessel. You have to have self-sacrifice. So when people turn to me and say, Rabbi, I'll be a better person if God reveals himself to me. If God talks to me and tells me to do it, I'll do it. It's the opposite. If you want God to split the sea for you, then you got to jump in first. God sees you jump in first, then he'll split the sea for you. It doesn't work the other way around. It was only once in history that God worked the other way around. But generally, we got to do ours first. So, 
comes the holiday of Purim. And we are told, celebrate Purim, not the 13th, and not even the 15th. Make the holiday the 14th. The 14th, this is the Yad HaGdoilah. Why? Why is Purim associated with the Yad HaGdoilah? Because what was Purim? Purim was the holiday that Haman said, I'm going to wipe out every single Jew, man, woman, or children alike. Makes no difference if they're orthodox, conservative, reform, reconstructionist. Makes no difference. Every single Jew, old, young, observant, non-observant, chassidic, non-chassidic. Even if you don't believe in God, I don't care. If you're Jewish, you're finished. One day we wipe everybody out. The 13th day of Adar. Yet, we don't find that one Jew gave up their faith. Because there was a way out. You see, most people don't know this. Haman walked around with a little getzke on his chest. A little, little idol. If you bow down to that idol, you were saved. If you refused to bow down, then you were killed. We don't find that anyone of the Jewish people said, okay, Haman, I'll bow down to you. Save my life. They said we would rather die as a Jew than live as a non-Jew. And furthermore, says the Gemara, that for a thousand years, the Jews were living under duress. Because at Matan Torah, when it came to the giving of the Torah, God lifted the mountain over our heads. And he said, if you follow the Torah, and you accept the Torah, I will let you live. If not, boom, I'm going to smash the mountain over your heads. You guys are going to become mashed potatoes. So why do we say, oh, of course, God, we accept the Torah. Whatever you want, sure. But really, we were forced into it. It's like a marriage. You cannot force your wife to marry you. It's under duress. It's not a kosher marriage. So God forces us to marry him on Sinai. And we say, oh, of course, we're going to marry you, God. Don't kill me. So for a thousand years, we had a good excuse not to follow the Torah. Comes along Purim, and Purim sets the score straight. We had a very way, easy way to get out. Bow down to Haman, and we're saved, and we're no longer Jewish. Yet not one person was willing to do that. And therefore, we accepted the Torah willingly on the holiday of Purim. But it came with Mesiras Nefesh. It came because of self-sacrifice. It became our holiday because we chose to be married to God. We chose to accept God. Was it logical? No way. Was it smart? I don't know. We did it because it was the right thing. Because we wanted to do it. Because we were willing to give up everything for God, like Nachshon ben Aminadov when it came to the splitting of the Red Sea. And that is why we find in the Megillah, when it talks about Mordechai, it says, Ish Yehudi, Hoya B'Shushan Abira. They called Mordechai the Jew. For the first time, we find this terminology in the Tanakh, Ish Yehudi. The word Jew was created in the Megillah. 
Till then, we were B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, B'nai Yaakov, the children of Jacob. Where did we pick up the word Jew? In the Megillah. Ish Yehudi. Why? Why in Purim? Because the word Yehudi is from Yehuda, which means praise, acknowledgement. It was the time that we acknowledged God. And we said many times that the word Yehudi, now the Rebbe says, is Yud, Hod. When you put the letter Yud in front of a word, it means continuous. It's a constant. What is a Jew, a Yehudi, is one that constantly praises God. The neshama, the soul of every Jew, every moment is like a flame of a candle. It's flickering. It's yearning to unite with God. It's yearning to unite with its maker. And it's flickering like a Jew in prayer who shuckles when he davens. Because that is the essence of our soul. We might not feel it all the time because the body is opaque and blocks the soul. But the reality of every Jew is Yehudi. So comes Purim. Ish Yehudi. And we talk about the man, the Jew. The one who believes in God. Even though it makes no sense. Because if God, you really love me, why does Haman want to kill me? It's illogical. Yet, despite all odds, we are committed to Torah. We are committed to Yiddishkeit. We accept the Torah upon ourselves a thousand years after Sinai. Comes along our rabbis and they say, we're going to celebrate Purim on the 14th day to allude to the Yad Hagadolah, to allude to God's great big hand. Because this is the day that each one of us can access this power. Each one of us can tap into this energy that is beyond time and space. And that is why Purim is so happy. And we celebrate to a degree of Adolayodah. We don't know the difference between blessed be Mordechai or cursed be Haman. Because we're now accessing this level of Havaya. We're accessing the Tetragrammaton. A level that is past, present, and future as one. A level beyond all configurations. A level beyond time and space. And that ability God gives us on Purim. And every single day we can have Purim. Every single day we can live Purim. By the fact that we have self-sacrifice to do God's will. So we hope and pray that we should be true Yehudim. We should be proud Jews. And we should do God's will. And we should do the Yad Hagadolah, to do it with our hand, to do practical mitzvahs. And by doing so, we will see the ultimate Geula with the Kamiya Mashiach speedily in our days. <laughs>